welcome to Book Chat at North Shore Library. I'm Melody. I'm Hannah. And today we have a special guest, Bernie, with us. Hi, Bernie. Hello. Uh, so Bernie is a new new guest on the podcast. It's Yay. Very exciting. Um, and she works in our children's services department with Hannah. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she is. So um, welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple questions just to get help our listeners get to know you a little bit more. So what is your uh, job title here? I am one of the part-time youth services librarians. One. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there are. are there librarians too? There are in some libraries, yeah. Okay. I'm not really sure like what the distinction is, but... Um, so what does that mean? <laughs> what, what do you do, Bernie? <laughs> um, that means I'm a children's librarian. Yeah. Um, so I do the Tuesday story times, um, shifts at the, at the children's information desk, cataloging. Bernie also uh, purchases books for the library, um, picture books and easy readers especially, but also DVDs and CDs. So she's in charge of all those collections. So you yes. have a recommendation. Yeah. That's where they go. Yeah. Great. Um, and so how did you end up working in libraries? Um, I probably should have, since I like books so much, I probably should have started working in libraries a long time ago, mm. but tried a number of things that didn't work out. And then eventually, like, I like books. Why don't I go there? <laughs> and and people. Bernie and I uh, share kind of a customer service background. Um, we were in the in the private sector, mm -hmm. and it's just a lot more fun to help people check out books than it is to help them buy things, spend their money on things. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Feels feels a little better. I yeah. Sleep better at night. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a common theme for librarians to like have come from a variety of different backgrounds and I, I feel like I found my niche here in the library world. Yeah. Yes, I enjoy customer service, but in the library setting it is a lot much more enjoyable than right. the general retail <laughs> right. setting. Yeah, for here, sure. Here. Um, okay, and then the most important question. <laughs> what are your favorite genres? Um, it depends on the day, but I probably go towards fantasy most often, some science fiction, and some romance, Ooh, mostly okay. historical and some contemporary. Nice. Do you have a favorite, like all-time favorite book or author or anything? Not really. It depends on the day, okay. once again. But one of, one of the fantasy ones I enjoyed the most was Ember in the Ashes, that whole series. I think we've talked about that series. one. Probably not with me. Okay. I haven't read the last one, and I need to. Is that uh, part of the Shadow and Bone no. series? Oh, okay. Um, no, it's a different one. Um, this one, it's it's sort of the Roman Empire, but with magic. Okay, awesome. I feel like we did. I feel like we did talk about that on an episode. It's funny how the names are all very similar, like two elements with the word "and" in it. You know, right. fire and water. Exactly, Shadow and Bone, Ember yeah. and Ashes. Yeah, different series. If you're uh, an author right now writing a series, there's your title. Just pick some random objects and put an "and." Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so um, our we're talking about science fiction books this month, which is yeah, yeah, pretty exciting. Um, 
And I also want to acknowledge that our title for this episode is a little bit misleading. Uh, we are not going to be talking about Tam- Terminator <laughs> today. <laughs> but we were trying to come up with creative titles for this episode, and that one was like the one that we really liked. It's really good. What else did we have? Um, I was trying to come up with some, some iconic it, sci-fi. I think quotes. we were going to do these are the books you're looking for. Maybe <laughs> these are the books you're looking yeah. for instead of these are not the droids you're looking yeah. for. But it might it might not have been as obvious, right? Yeah. So anyway, forget we're librarians and we make puns. Forgive the title. <laughs> it is what it is. So without further ado, should we get started, Hannah? I'm sure down to get started. Okay. Um, so I. Most of the books that I was thinking about for this episode, I read a lot of sci-fi. I'm a big sci-fi nerd, generally. Um, I was raised in a Star Trek household. Um, So it goes way back, (laughs) watching Mm -hmm. Star Trek on public broadcasting with my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you a Kirk or Spock? Personally, I have massive Kirk energy. (laughs) (laughs) We, yeah. (laughs) feel very represented by Jim Kirk. Um, there's even an episode where he turns to Mr. Spock and says, I should have been a librarian. And uh, yeah, we're both from Iowa. Like, <laughs> You're basically the same person. Effectively the same person. Great. Um, so my love of Star Trek is, is deep. My love of sci-fi is deep. Mm. Um, and I was really, really delighted to pick up this book recently. Um, so I read The Ones Were Meant to Find by Joan Huff, and this is a, a young adult book that I would recommend for, for older teens, but I think there's a lot of appeal for adults as well. Um, so the premise is uh, there are these two sisters, C and K, and C awoke on an abandoned island three years ago with no idea of how she was marooned, Um, And she's just been trying to survive and get back to her sister ever since. All she has is a rickety old house, uh, some basic survival skills, and an old android to figure out what's going on. When you say android, are you talking about a phone or a robot? A robot. Okay. (laughs) A little little robotic helper. Okay, that's what I thought at first. Some minor artificial intelligence. No, not a. And then I not a phone. She cannot okay. phone home. Okay. See what I did? Uh-huh. Sci-fi. Yep. Anyway, more puns. We're there. We're there. Um, meanwhile, her sister Kay is a STEM prodigy who wants to. That's STEM, as in uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, she's always been regarded as this like, oh, she's a, a budding baby genius, and uh, she really wants to escape from their home. Uh, which is called the Metropolis. It's Earth's last unpolluted place and meant to be a sanctuary for those who are committed to, committed to planetary protection. Commentary is what I said. Oh. Yeah. Um, so as Kay gets older, she realizes that the applications of her like science and technology skills are not in line with her ethics. Hmm. and she wants to get out of the metropolis and save the rest of humanity also. (laughs) She thinks that would be a good good step. Um, Even though uh, this technology has failed people that she loves, including uh, C and K's mother, and eventually C herself. Hmm. So uh, she's got this 
it's kind of these two parallel stories about sisterhood and science and climate change and ethics and what it means to be human versus, you know, there's always got to throw a robot in there as a nice little foil because yeah. oh, the, the android in this could never be human. She just, <laughs> she's very divorced from, uh, from the human experience to, to great comedic effect. Um, and the, the story kind of starts when a boy washes up on Sea's island. And she's like, what? She hasn't seen another human in three years. Uh, and she's got to figure out what to do about it. Mm. Um, it has a lot of twists and turns, uh, but they don't feel forced. And that's one of my big things with books is like, you, you can't be twisty for the sake of being twisty. It's got to feel satisfying. So yeah. instead of going like, Okay, the author thinks they're clever. This book had me going mm. more like, oh, nice. that's how that connects, and that's why this got mentioned. And yeah. It was really, really satisfying. Um, didn't make me feel disoriented. Uh, like I say, if uh, it's classified as YA, but I think it has a lot of adult appeal also. Yeah. There are a couple instances of strong language and some consensual sexual content, mm -hmm. if those are things that you try to avoid mm -hmm. or that makes you seek out books. Either way, um, there's also, a, I would throw in a content warning for some self-harm and drowning. Uh, there is an island involved. Okay. <laughs> and some storms and such. So All right. I would say pretty typical. Um, sure. And if you, if you have a fan, if you are a fan or you have a fan in your life of Marie Lou's Legend series, this is, I think, kind of the next hmm. maturity level up from Legend, even. Yeah. Um, like, I like those, but huh. they're a little... They're, they're light on the sci-fi, too. Um, but if you like Maze Runner, too, I think this is kind Ooh, of okay. a little dystopian, yeah. what's really going on here right. mm -hmm. sort of sci-fi, so... But the android is really cute, and the bond between the sisters really elevated this one for me. So I have a question. Please. C, who's on the island. You said she doesn't remember how she got there? Right. Does she have memories of her past and her sister and her family? She feels a very strong bond for her sister. Um, and So she knows she has a sister. Yep. Okay. And that she needs to get back there. Interesting. She, and, and, and what she remembers and does not remember... Like, there are things she doesn't realize that she doesn't remember. Oh. And that's part of the, the intrigue. I was just talking about this book with someone else, actually, um, who's only partway through it. And she's like, I just want to know what's going on. And it's like, so does see. <laughs> like, she really wants to figure it out. Yeah. Um, the name choice is also interesting. Is that a common thing with other characters? They're both shortened versions of their their full names. So okay. I think it's Celia and I can't remember Kay's full name off the top of my head. Catherine. Something. Katrina. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. along those lines. Okay. <laughs> cool. And it's definitely how they think of each other. As C and K. Interesting. It sounds very intriguing. I feel like I would be mildly frustrated because I would want to know, but in a good way. Yeah, it's... I got through it really, really quickly because I was like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is always good. Yeah. Great. All right. Uh, so, Bernie, I think you have one to share, right? Yes. So, this one is Space Case by Gibbs, Stuart Gibbs. 
Um, so he's also the author of the Spice School series and the Fun Jungle series. So these books, they're targeted for a middle grade, but as we discussed, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> if, the, if the plot intrigues you, read it. Um, so in this, in this book, this is the first of a three book series. We have people that live on the moon now. Okay. It's moon Alpha Base. But it's really not that great because you're, everybody's locked in a tiny moon base and they can't go anywhere. Yeah. All they have is school and that's not really very exciting. Sure. But one day, their top scientist dies. So now we have a murder mystery on the moon. Okay. Yes. <laughs> nice. Sold. And then... The only one that actually believes it is a murder is our main character, Dashiell, who's 12. Everyone else believes the scientist was, he was getting up there, so everybody else is more on the side that he was a really just old man going crazy, mm. and he just decided to kill himself. Okay. Mm. I'm, I'm getting some, like, only murders in the building vibes. A little bit. Which yeah. I think was heavily inspired by, like, quarantine. I'm also getting, like, quarantine on steroids vibes, which is, okay. Right. Interesting. All right, I'm intrigued. So on the moon, you really can't go anywhere. <laughs> yes, you really can't go anywhere. Yeah, so, yeah, nobody for nobody can really go anywhere. Um, travel outside the moon base is heavily restricted. So. Relatable. <laughs> So yes, so yes, most people think, so most people think there was no murder and it was just an accident. Nobody's really interested in, in investigating it though, because of the connotations. Either either the moon living on the moon makes you go crazy faster, which mm. isn't good either, mm. or there's a murderer on the moon, which also wasn't good. Right. Yeah. And sure. the government back on Earth wasn't really that excited for the moon-based project anyway, so the people in charge are kind of trying to Hide everything and sure. nothing's going on. Interesting. Okay. But then eventually things happen and it comes out that, oops, maybe he was murdered. So. <gasps> Dashio. Dun, dun, dun. I'm so glad that our protagonist is out for justice. <laughs> yeah, and then the other kind of sucks for our protagonist because before things come out, people start to think he's paranoid too. Mm. Oh, sure. But he has sure. to power on and eventually he's proven. Maybe, maybe right. Nice. More people start to to believe. Are there any, have you read any similar middle grade books? Like, are there people you would recommend this to? Or? No, actually, no similar middle grade books come to mind. But for, for this book, if you like science fiction, if you like mysteries, I'd recommend it for that because it's, mm. it's basically a murder mystery on the moon. So it's a science fiction murder mystery. Yeah. Which sounds great. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like the middle grade version of The Expanse. Oh, I wonder if you could like turn this into a play because it's like a one set, one setting. Oh, yeah. Location. That would be fun. Murder Mystery on the Moon. Summer Reading Project. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Could be really fun. Thanks, Bernie. Okay, so I'm going to bring back my rant about Southern Reach in this podcast episode. Uh, I have now started Authority, which is book two in the Southern Reach series by Jeff Vandermeer. Um, if you're a regular listener, you might remember remember that I talked about um, Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer, which is book one in this series. Uh, if you remember that, you probably also remember that I was really angry about it. <laughs> 
Um, I was very frustrated. I left with more questions than answers. It was really intriguing and interesting, but oh, not satisfying <laughs> at all. So I've taken some time. I read a Harry Potter book in between. <laughs> Spent some time away from it, and my hold for uh, authority came in on Libby. So I've been listening to the audiobook, which I haven't finished yet. My hold returned itself, so I have to wait again to get it back <laughs> and keep finishing. But um, I think I've gathered enough to talk about it here. I feel better about this book than the last one. Um, so for anyone who isn't familiar with the series, in Annihilation, we learn that there's a, a place on Earth that's sort of like a scientific anomaly. It's called Area X. And um, they are sending expeditions to study the area and try to gather information about what may have happened, what is going on in this area, what does it mean. Um, and the main character is a botanist, and she comes into contact with some biological plants that make words on the wall. Are they plants? They're like spores. I think they're maybe a fungus. Some kind of fungus or something. Fungus is always spooky, so that feels that <laughs> right. feels right. So she she got, she finds this uh, writing on a wall in Area X that is living. It's like made out of fungus, and it's very like scriptural but scary. You know some of it, don't you, Hannah? Where lies the strangling fruit that something about the hands of the sinner and yeah. it goes on it's yeah. this big long the hands of the sinner yeah it's so it's not like nice it feels very new testament <laughs> very late new testament um yeah like revelation yeah, yeah very revelation yeah um, and there's a reason for that that comes out later on but no spoilers okay <laughs> well good because i i don't know what happens in book two yet so i know some of it so that was book one now, um, the botanist has returned, and um, we get to hear the next part of the story from a different character who goes by the name Control. Uh, so, Control has arrived at what we now find out is called the Southern Reach, which is the group of scientists um, and people who are studying Area X and trying to figure out what's going on and why. So, uh, Control is the new director of the Southern Reach for reasons which I will not reveal, because if you haven't read book one, it would be a spoiler. Um, and he is acclimating himself to the way that the Southern Reach is run, which is, like, really weird and archaic. They don't keep, like, electronic files. They, like, print out things and then delete the electronic copies. It has very big, like, Kafka vibes. Like, extremely just convoluted. Why are they doing things this way? No one asks that question. No, no, not at all. Because <laughs> the why might be some horrific thing that yeah. you can't actually hold in your brain. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so they have, like, this weird filing system. The... The director finds all of these notes on, like, random objects, like, leaves and pieces of toilet paper and, like, 
It's very weird. Previous director. It was not an organized person. No, I had a weird filing system. (laughs) As librarians, we're all just like, oh. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's a scene where he, like, lays out all of the weird files. He's just surrounded by stuff. It's kind of overwhelming. It's also a scene where he takes all of the bugs out of his office. So oh, he's yeah. like, oh, here's like this little microphone. Here's a little camera. Here, it's very so like Cold War bugs. kind of feel. It's insane. And he's like, I can tell the, the, the year when this this bug was placed by the the way it is and how big it is. <laughs> right, because the technology gets smaller yeah. over time. Um, he also finds this weird plant in a drawer with a dead mouse in the drawer, uh, and the plant is like thriving and doing well. It's really weird. In a drawer. Not a lot of light. No. In in a drawer. I mean, I wish my plants did that. It'd be great. It also appears that someone has been watering the plant. In the drawer. In the drawer. And he's just like, what is happening here? It's this very paranoid environment. Wait, so he just opened the drawer and there was a plant in there with a mouse with some water? Yes. And like the the paper underneath it is There's files in the drawer, of course. Because, you know. They don't keep electronic records. <laughs> the files are all soggy, and there's this plant, and then a dead mouse in there. Interesting. Yep. Weird. And that's like that's like day one yeah. on the job. It's just like, <laughs> all right, cool, new job. Yeah. What have I gotten myself into? So on top of that, his superior, like his manager, he has never seen his manager. He is called The Voice. And he calls the voice to report how things are going on a regular basis. And it's like a distorted voice soft technology or something. And Like when someone's in the witness protection yeah, program is how I envision it. It's so weird. Um, we also see he gets to go to the border of Area X. So we learn more information about what that looks like, whereas in book one... We know they passed the border, but we don't know what was at the border of the um, area. So it's really interesting, and I'm intrigued, and I'm more okay with not knowing the answers. (laughs) The third book in the trilogy is called Acceptance, and I feel like it's very (laughs) on the nose. I I did realize that today. I looked at the third title, I was like, oh, come on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why did you recommend this series? Um, But we also learn about, like, this rabbit experiment that they did in Area X, which is, I don't, uh, is this a spoiler? I don't think so. It's on the cover. So they released hundreds of rabbits into Area X. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Scientists are just like, let's do something reckless. (laughs) We're not getting anywhere with the very conservative things that we're doing. Let's just throw a bunch of rabbits through. Send a bunch of rabbits through. Um, So I am fully intrigued and I am really curious to see what we learn from the side of like the organization that is controlling this experiment. Um, Because book one was more about someone who was sent on an expedition and in the area itself, and then learning things about the organization. So, better review than last time, Hannah. Yay! (laughs) In regard to the first book, has anyone seen the movie? Yes. I love the movie. They're very different animals, for sure. 
Yeah, and so we talked about the movie a little bit when I read the first book and in our episode, and I was just furious. I was really mad at the movie as well. <laughs> so I read that the director of the movie did not reread the book uh-huh. to make the movie, and it it was it's he referred to it as kind of like a fever dream of the movie. So mm-hmm. it's really its own thing, just yeah. inspired by some of this. It's a good movie. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of Area X is, is scary. Yeah. There's a scene in Authority that is one of the scariest things I've ever read in fiction, personally. Like, I can't... So I, full disclosure, own the audiobook of the entire series. Probably mentioned this on the podcast before. Um, and sometimes I'll be like, mm, I just want some like nice little background noise. I'll just re-listen to the Southern Reach trilogy, which is not a normal way to go through life. And I like <laughs> kind of hope Jeff Vandermeer never learns that about me. <laughs> I'm gonna tag him when right. I post this episode. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Vandermeer. Um, but then I've like woken up, like fallen asleep with the audiobook on, and woken up to this scene and had to like turn the lights on in my room mm. and kind of like chill out before I can fall okay. back asleep. Um, All right. Well, I might be calling you then. Right. Randomly. <laughs> Middle of the night. Crying. Just like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so unsettling. But it's good. And it's the, the, the science is... Um, it, it comes through pretty strongly that Jeff Vandermeer is a big environmentalist. So mm-hmm. I think it ties in pretty well with... yeah. Um, the ones we're meant to find, which is like, okay, so Earth is pretty, pretty difficult to live on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's authority. And then, so I, I like that in Southern Reach, it, there's like an object, right, that has come to Earth, they think, is one of the possible ideas um, for how Area X got started. Um but it's still set on Earth, and I'm a big space odyssey person. So mentioned Star Trek, love it. You know, another movie that I watched really young was 2001: A Space Odyssey. And um, so when I was thinking about books to discuss on the podcast, immediately one of the ones that came to mind is The Illuminae Files. Um, that's uh, by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff, and it's set in space. Not on the moon. Shocker. <laughs> further out. We're further out. Um, so the humans have expanded a lot. The year is 2575. And there are these two rival mega corporations who are, they both want to use the same planet for its resources. Um, there are people living on the planet and they are not privy to this conversation at all. So... One day, our faithful protagonist, Katie, is just going about her life, doing her thing. She's, like, in a fight with her boyfriend, who's a fighter pilot, and suddenly the world comes to an end. There's this just apocalyptic battle of the mega corporations who have their own private space forces. Um, and it ruins a lot of lives. A lot of people die. Mm. And uh, Katie and Ezra, um, who are not, not totally speaking... Uh, do manage to get each other off the planet um, onto the evacuating fleet. Uh, but the mega corporations are like, if news of this gets back to Earth, we're going to get in trouble. We, sh- we need to take out all the survivors. There is no escaping. So 
it turns out their problems are just getting started by the time they get into space. Um, there's also a deadly plague that has broken out and oh begun mutating. Right, and this came out in 2015. Um, so. I already was like, wow, this could actually happen. And then- <laughs> right, like, gee, what could this possibly be commenting on? <laughs> um, so uh, the fleet uh, of survivors also has an artificial intelligence. Um, his name is Aiden, or his acronym is Aiden. I forget what it stands for. Um, but he's supposed to, you know, make sure the oxygen levels are good and keep the water recycled and everybody on course back to the, you know, they're meeting up with some other um, groups of folks like, okay, we just need to make human contact so we can get the word out about what happened. Mm. Um, but uh, Aiden doesn't always make choices that everyone agrees with because he's an artificial intelligence. Mm. Um, so he... Is he on their side? Does he have a side? Mm. Who knows? Um, nobody in charge will say what's really going on. Um, so Katie is pretty tech savvy and she's trying to hack into various databases and such and see what she can find out about what went on, who knew what, when, and also try to assemble it and send it out and say, hey, here's what happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, that means that she does have to speak to Ezra, and she's not super happy about it. So, like, I, I enjoy, like, the, the teen kind of, re- the fact that there's relationship drama in this, like, sweeping space odyssey. Yeah. It's, so it's the first of three books. Um, they're all told in a epistolary format. So they're presented as, like, depositions and you know, emails that Katie has recovered and transcripts of... Things. So the books, if you see them on the shelf, look huge. I think the first one, Illuminae, is over 600 pages, but it goes really fast. Mm-hmm. And some of it's, you know, Aiden's internal log and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it moves at a really good pace. Uh, and the story is just really fun um, if you're into space odyssey types of things. <laughs> and I am. And if you're an audiobook person... Uh, I definitely, I listened to the audiobook first, and then I flipped through the print copy because it was cool to see how it was laid out and that kind of thing. But uh, the audiobooks are, um, they have a full cast audio adaptation rather than, like, just someone reading the book to you. So I think there's a cast of, like, over 20 people who are reading all these different documents. It really keeps you engaged. The guy who does the voice of Aiden is just, like... Does a really great computer voice. It just, <laughs> I love it. Um, and uh, it actually, the audiobook for Illuminae won the 2016 Audio Award for Best Multi-Voiced Performance. Nice. So it's a really good audiobook cool. if you're, you're into that. And I definitely recommend this for fans of The Expanse because um, it's similar in that humans have expanded pretty far. Mm. Um, and that there are some shady corporations, and that would never happen. And a weird, no. a weird plague going on. Yeah, that's really unrealistic. But also the the, <laughs> the two thousand one Space Odyssey too. There's Aiden kind of walks that Hal nine thousand line sometimes, where it's like, what's his what's his deal? Yeah, what's this computer's yeah. plan? Um, I I like it when stories do that because it's. That is what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. 
Great. Well, uh, very realistic, but maybe not not fluffy. <laughs> no, <laughs> not not terribly lovey-dovey either. Um, Katie actually gets into she initially is using her hacking skills to try to figure out who else Ezra has been messaging, and like <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> so it's, it feels very teenage at some points, but tackles some really serious issues as I think good sci-fi should. Yes, and space. Final frontier. Anyway. <laughs> okay. That's illuminating. <laughs> oh, yes. Speaking of books that might predict the future, there's this other middle grade book, Cleopatra and the Body Electric. Everybody's Ooh. locked in their homes because of a plague. No way. And then this, the girl gets a package that's medicine that's for somebody else, and the person's going to die. But she's like, I can't leave my home. What am I going to do? Yeah. Oof. And that book was written in. 2019 or so, so I was like, did you know? Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. Oh. Crazy. Do you have any other sci-fi favorites to share, Bernie? Mm, actually, there's a manga series. Ooh. I was browsing the internet one day because that's what librarians do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but Samurai Ate the Tale of Hachimaru by Masashi Kishimoto. He's also... The same person who did the whole Naruto. Oh, okay. the whole thing, yeah. Yes, the whole 72 volumes of Naruto. <laughs> oh my god. This series, unfortunately, never took off like Naruto, so there's only five. So if you're looking for a, a series with less time commitment, this might mm. be an option. So, um, for anyone who might not be familiar with manga, sure. how would you describe it? So it's, so it's basically, it's Japanese comic books. So most of them are not in color, they're just black and white cartoon drawings. Um, traditional Japanese ones are read backwards. Mm -hmm. So you flip right the book. Yeah, you flip, yeah, you you flip, flip the, the book, book around. Over, so. so your binding is in your right hand. Yes. And the, the pages open up to your left hand. Yes. I think it's a really fun brain exercise. It is. Because I, I read a lot. I read a lot of manga and I read a lot of Western comics as well. And trying to sometimes it takes a second for my brain to switch and yeah. go, oh, right, we're doing this now. Yeah. Yes, and then you have Manhua, I think, which is Korean comics, and they are not read backwards, so. Okay. Right. They just didn't get published in the U.S. that way. Yes. So manga has really like, taken off, like, within the past, what, maybe five years It's so? Yeah, it's got a, a bit of a history in the U.S., um, going back, like, most of my lifetime. Mm. But recently it's gotten super popular. Um, there's a ton of content there. It, that's already been published. I think publishers have realized, oh, we just have to translate this. Yeah. People, <laughs> it's already people done. People will read it. Right. Yeah. And it's probably worth noting, just generally speaking, manga, it's probably a little bit more mature than, like, comics. It, yeah, it definitely can be. There's some cultural differences yeah. <laughs> in terms of what. What's appropriate. Yeah. 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 So um, there are definitely some mangas that are you know, family-friendly for all readers. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're intrigued by manga, just have that warning. <laughs> all right. Right, flip through it before you hand <laughs> yeah. it to a child. Right. Yes, and then, and then a, lot of, a lot of the series on the cover can be helpful, and they'll have a letter for teen audience or mature. That's right. Yeah, yeah they have a rating on the cover. Yeah. But I will also say that a lot of the covers of manga, I find, like, sometimes to sell, they'll have, like, a fairly provocative cover, and the internal content will not reflect that at all. Sure. Like, why is there a woman in a swimsuit on the cover of this thing about ninjas? Yeah. 
Because it sells. Because it sells. <laughs> yes, I feel like a lot of the shonen manga series, which are the ones more geared towards boys. Yeah. Yeah. The fan service. The fan service. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a term in the biz. Fan service. Yeah, well, yes. a, maybe a spicy type cover about the content, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> and if you ever have questions, you can always talk to a librarian. Yes. We'll talk you through it. Yeah. All right. Sorry but to interrupt. Samurai eats. <laughs> well, anyways, in this series, um, there is life on other planets. And so, hmm. in this case, apparently the galaxy needs samurai to protect it. Ooh. Interesting. I'm on board. Yeah. It could also be destroyed in maybe 100 years or so. So, there's a god. He sends this one samurai out to look for this box with the secret that he put in it to, that could possibly save the galaxy, but he's got to find these samurai keys. Hence, our main character. He really wants to be a samurai, but... There's a whole lot of, there's something, there's stuff you have to do. <laughs> like things you have to, yeah, tests you have to do. Like yeah, requirements? There's, yeah, there's, it's a very, sort of an abstract plot, but they can walk through space and time. They can walk through space, I think, pretty easily. Um, they have special souls, they call it, that mean you can have a samurai body. Um, in this one, one of hmm. them, they're like, they're little magic balls that you have to be compatible with to determine if you could possibly be oh, a samurai. Interesting. If you are not compatible with one of these magic balls, you die. Oh, oh my god. So the stakes are high. Yeah, so if you <laughs> want to be a samurai, a don't take it lightly. Okay. <laughs> so, so our main character, Hachimaru, really wants to be a samurai, but he's very sickly, he can't leave the house, and he needs all this medical help. But one day, a samurai cat shows up, and his life changes. Mm. And I just heard about this series recently from browsing the internet, but I saw Samurai Cat and say oh, no yeah. more. Right? Sign me samurai up. Samurai Cat. Especially Samurai Cat in space. Yeah. Excellent. Interesting. Sign me up. Have you gotten through all of the books in the series? I have not, unfortunately. This is just the first one. But they are in they are in Milwaukee County, so. Okay. That will that will happen. Okay, so we can get that. Do you feel satisfied enough with the ending of this one, but still intrigued to keep reading more? Because I know sometimes the end of series, it's either just like a, such a cliffhanger that I just need to read the next one. I am interested enough that I would like to look at the at the last four volumes. Um, I will say that with one hesitation though, they did cancel the series with after with five volumes. It is a full story. Okay. But they just canceled it because it never got to the same popularity of popularity sure. of Naruto. So there's a good chance they canceled the series before it reached its full potential. Sure, sure. That's a common thing that like has happened for a long time. Even like Dickens' books mm -hmm. came out were serialized. And Bring back out, Firefly. Yeah. Yes. Well, oh, yes. <laughs> <gasps> How do we not talk about Firefly? <laughs> happens a lot to sci-fi because it tends to not have the same. Mass appeal. Space, yeah. But I'm really excited to check this out. I'm a big fan of um, some other well-known sci-fi manga like Akira and um, Battle Angel Alita mm. and some mm. of the other yeah. that have had some success with Western audiences as well. Those are both both movies. Yeah. And then all the volumes in this series 
are published, which is very important for when the publisher goes out of business like Tokyo Pub. Oh, gosh, that was such a bummer. Yeah. And they just leave their uncompleted series uncompleted. Oh, my god! And, like, sometimes they have the rights. So sometimes it can be... It, it's nice with manga series to know, like, it's you can get all of it mm. without yeah. diving into the depths of the internet right. to see who's... Right. To see who translated it somewhere. <laughs> right. Illegally. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Um, Always an adventure. Yeah. I love the samurai angle. I'm really going to have to check that out. <laughs> love classic samurai movies, too. Well, speaking of movies, so my next one is a movie, which we should also, I should, we should talk about Fire, Firefly as well, um, which I was recently introduced to and got through quickly. How many? There's like two seasons? Is it no, one season? No, it's, it's less than a season. It got canceled. <sighs> During the season. And it's so good. It's so good. It had so much potential. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Firefly or do you want me to talk about Firefly? I would like you to talk about Firefly. So Firefly is set in the future. Um, Earth has been, they call it, used up. Um, It's not habitable anymore, so they've branched out into the solar system uh, and beyond. And it's a really interesting blending of cultures in this future. Um... The main characters are all fluent in English and Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they will slip into Mandarin to say rude things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's a space western, effectively. Um, we follow the crew of a Firefly class ship called Serenity, and the captain and uh, his kind of first mate were soldiers together fighting against a corporation that kind of took over everything, um, that was keeping all the good resources for themselves. Uh, and the brown coats said, oh, hey, you should be distributing those more fairly. Mm-hmm. And they lost horribly because mm-hmm. uh, they were just out-resourced. Yeah. Um, so now they, uh, they got a ship and they kind of take odd jobs. So you need something delivered to this planet, we'll, we'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need something picked up or dropped off and it doesn't necessarily need to be totally above board. So they have kind of a ragtag yeah. crew that they've assembled um, of some pretty big names, uh, yeah. casting wise. There's, yeah. And there are, when you watch it, you're like, oh, this is this person who like shows up later in Mad Men in a much bigger role, you yeah. know, for example. Just, just, you know. Um, <laughs> she's so good at Firefly. Which one is she? Um, they, there's an episode where they they wake up one morning from this like rager of a party, and Captain Reynolds is married. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> to a random woman from a her. random planet. Yes. And that's her. Yeah, she's yeah, she's good. Really, um, but things are a little bit dark too. Uh, there are a group of people called Reavers who they say have seen the, the void of space and been driven mad. And they're just these ruthless... Kind of like zombie Yeah, zombies, but with like pirate vibes and like in space. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like dismembering. Um, <laughs> so I really wish we had gotten to see where that story arc would have gone, where yeah. there would be like, oh, here's our little like heist and hijinks of the week and it here's how it plays into this overarching like you know yeah. the common man versus the corporations yeah yeah narrative ah 
Great so. theme song, too. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh. Great characters. Yeah. So is it like a is it like a complete storyline or is there like a massive cliffhanger at the end? So it, there was originally a massive cliffhanger at the end, and then they made a movie that ties it up. Um, fans have various feelings about the movie because uh, obviously yeah. the story could have used you know a season or two yes, right. <laughs> at least. And the the movie is kind of made to like tie up all of the loose ends. So. And that's not always necessarily the best storytelling. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, you you get your, your resolution. But if you're Melody and you need your answers, <laughs> they are contained in, I do, in the I Serenity do. film. It has a massive cult following. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a fun one. Okay. Well, uh, my other movie that I wanted to talk about is Dune, uh, which came out this year. Mm-hmm. Finally. Yeah. I've been waiting. Right? So I know nothing about the books. Uh, I'll just start there. I have not read them. Don't plan to. Uh, I have only read the first five. There's so many. (laughs) There's so many. Uh, The book series is by Frank Herbert. I do know that. Um, And it was written in 1965, which is interesting. Um, And this movie is a two-part set of movies to that are adapted based on Dune. And uh, as I was reading about it, I realized that they have not, they had not yet started filming part two until they knew that this did well. Just bold. But it did well. So all is well. Part two is coming out um, in October of 2023. Yes. Just so you know, it's coming. Um, so the, the plot is uh, our main character is Paul. Uh, which is not really a sci-fi name. I just want to say uh, a lot of people say his name in the movie in like, like settings Paul. where you don't expect to hear the name Paul. Right. His, his mom is also. Yeah. Like there are several names that are just like, these are just regular people names. And yeah. sci-fi are used to like, oh, Apollo did right. this. Right. Or C and K. Right. No, we just have Paul here. Um, so he... He's, his family is part of the house uh, Atreides. Atreides. Thank you. Atreides. Um, see? Weird name. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they went with a common first name. And his dad is Leto. Like, <laughs> why? I don't know. Paul. <laughs> um, so his family, uh, his father is sent to um, this planet called Arrakis. Um, it's a inhospitable desert planet, um, and he's sent there to take over for a different group of people. Is it also like a family? A, it's a house. It's yeah. a house. So there's a house that's already like in control of this planet. They're um, harvesting sand, which is really important for the use of space travel. Uh, unclear why or how. Not explained at all in the movie. <laughs> not, of, not of the movie. The book does go more into it. So in the book, it's it's the spice. The spice, that that's they, right. They yeah. get out of this. They filter through the sand to get the spice. Right. Which is really just a hallucinogen. Um, so when you read the book, you're like, oh, 1965. Ah, okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I see. Groovy. <laughs> 
And my dad so helpfully described the spice as worm stuff. Is that accurate? It is worm stuff. It does come from giant worms that live under the sand. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Um, so the the house that what, what's the house's name? I'm sorry, Hannah. I keep asking you information oh, about. I think I have my notes. one. Um, it's House Harkonnen. 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 Yeah. Uh, so House Harkonnen is basically being kicked off of management of the spice. Which and is necessary for space travel and therefore a very hot commodity. And it yeah. only comes from Arrakis. Vital to the entire universe. And politically, if you look at what was going on, <laughs> again, <laughs> and I don't know, the Middle East... Uh, it's it's a little on the nose yeah. as, as allegory. Yeah. Um, so Paul's father is now going to be the new manager of spice produ- production, um, Arrakis, and um, we also learn that his mom has like some powers of some kind, and Paul's been training with his mom to do it, so he can. Say something to you, and you will do whatever he commands you to do. The He's voice. still working on it. It's called The Voice. He's not great at it. Is <laughs> a really frightening power to give a teenage boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, for no so kidding. many reasons. No kidding. Um, and so, like, before they leave for Arrakis, he has this weird interaction with this nun of some kind. She seems like a religious figure. Yeah, so his mom's part of a effectively a, a sacred order called yeah. the Bene Gesserit. Yeah, so and the the leader of of this order wants to speak to Paul alone and she basically threatens his life and like what is she ta- I don't remember. <laughs> he gets tested to see if he's worthy. Oh yeah. But that's he doesn't right. know what he's being tested for. Sure. He's like, worthy of what? Yeah. I'm just a kid. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, I'm getting like really caught up in the weeds of this plot. <laughs> Let me back up right. a little bit. It's really complex. <laughs> There's a lot happening. Um, it's like kind of a slower build of a movie, but it clearly is like leading to the second part. And I, I enjoyed watching it, having no knowledge of the story beforehand. Uh, things go badly on the, the, the planet, the new planet that they're in, and you sort of see events that lead to what might happen to Paul in the future. Um, and the fate of his house and the people around him. Uh, the cast is amazing. Spectacular. Amazing. So for, for our Gen Zers or our younger millennials, Timothy Chalamet is Paul. Um, but for the older folks. I'm not old, but I'm, I'm counting myself in that group. <laughs> for people who consider themselves too old for, <laughs> for Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. We have Oscar Isaac as the father. Yeah. Great. Oh, not to mention we have um, Jason Momoa. Um, as Duncan Idaho, which if you've like, when, once they announced that, having read the book, I was like, finally! Like, that's exactly <laughs> what he should look like. Yeah. Perfect. Josh Brolin is in it, um, Dave Bautista. There's so many great actors and actresses. I will point out that the trailers make it seem like Zendaya is a huge part of this movie. Not really. She's not a huge part of it. 
She's in like a few minutes of it. She's great for what yeah. she's there for. She right. does a wonderful job. She does. And it's clear that like she is really important to this story. Um, but we don't have a lot of screen time with her. Uh, but yeah, so overall, intriguing, sort of slow. But it's really, I'm really excited for part two. I, I, I think it's if it's done well, it's going to be really good. Yeah, if, so... My bachelor's is in cinema, which is why I went back to school to get a master's in library science. Um, <laughs> but uh, there, there was a Dune movie made previously um, in the 80s with uh, Kyle MacLachlan, who I know from Sex and the City. Who was he, he in uh, Sex and the City? He dated Charlotte, I want to say. Did he marry Charlotte? The bald dude? No. He married someone, I think. Anyway. I'm going to find out. Kyle what? McLaughlin. Okay. M-A-C, I think. All right, continue. Um, and it's, it's, it's directed by David Lynch, who you know, also did um, Eraserhead had come out, uh, Twin Peaks he would go on to do. Kyle McLaughlin's in, in Twin Peaks. He has some actors he likes to, oh, to work with. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and that movie is a dumpster fire. It's... They try to take this massive, very complex story and shoehorn it into like two hours and you can't. Yeah. It's just, it's too much. Yeah. So nothing gets explained and there's no hope of it being explained in the next movie because there is not a next movie. This is Doom. <laughs> um, so I was really, really nervous when they announced that they were making this movie because I'm like, I don't believe in unfilmable things necessarily, but like Dune is close. Yeah. Like there's just so many moving parts to make it into a, a blockbuster. Yeah. You need a giant budget. You need an incredible cast. Mm -hmm. You need, I mean, and I, I think this 2021 adaptation did a really great job of the scale that's necessary for a story like this. I totally agree. There are some giant spaceships, which I'm all about. It's like, yes! Oh, that's huge! Yeah, there are a thousand guys on that. They'll totally fit in that huge spaceship. Yep. Um, the, the aesthetics were really, really impressive to yeah. me. It's a visually very stunning movie. And I, I'm going to call back again to, like, one of the founding texts of my life is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm -hmm. I think it, like, acknowledged... Mm -hmm. This is what sci-fi should look like on the yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, the colors are stunning. Incredible. Yeah. And what really stood out to me, I actually shelled out to see this in the theater, which I was a little nervous about still. Mm -hmm. But the sound design, it was absolutely worth it to sit in a theater and be immersed in this incredible soundscape that they've created. Yeah. It's a very, uh, in the theater at least, I felt like I was there. Yeah. It was a very immersive experience. So, glowing praise from the film critic. Yeah, did really well. So, does the movie cover the whole first book or just the first part of it and then the part two is the rest of it? It gets to... It, it gets partway through. Okay. Um, so, we've, we've met up with uh, the native inhabitants of Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Um, who are not super happy about the whole settler situation. <laughs> also, uh, politically, we could apply some <laughs> right? some things. What's, what are you trying to say about colonialism, uh -huh. Frank Herbert? Uh -huh. uh, but that's one of the things that I really love about sci-fi is that it can be like, 
Golly, I wasn't talking about this because I think the origins of and the popularization of the genre really come from like the red scare. Yeah. Like, are you a commie? And it's yeah. no, I I'm mean, just writing my space stories about aliens. Right. I mean, I think it's good to to uh, compare things to look at it in an entirely different context because I think people have really strong feelings about political things now in their own country and state. Right. To, to pretend that it's in space and put a whole new set of situations around it, it might give you a different perspective. Like, oh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When sci-fi is done well, that's something mm-hmm. it can really achieve. All right. I think we've made it to the last one. My gosh. Now that we've waxed poetic <laughs> about the genre. <laughs> Bernie, would you like to do the honors? Sure. So we have one more recommendation. It is a space opera. Yes. At first, I thought it was an adult book, but it is in fact catalogued as a YA book, so I guess it can cross genres. <laughs> but in the book, we have a world where this one empire, the Umber Empire, conquered everything and ruined a whole bunch of lives, because apparently that's what conquering empires do. Mm-hmm. So then we have these two boys at, the milita- at a military school for the conquering empire, Eddie and Gail, their roommates. There's a bit of romance in this book. Mm. They start to fall for each other, mm-hmm. but then there's a, there's an assassination attempt on one of the roommates. The other one saves him, and then finds out he's the heir to the conquering empire. So that puts a dent in everything. <gasps> okay. So this gotcha. is the first book in a trilogy. The second book came out this year, so we're still waiting for the third book. Okay. And that was, I don't remember if you saw uh, the title. I don't remember if I saw the title, but the first book is Bonds of Brass. By? By Emily Skrutsky. And the second one is, I forget the title, but it's Oaths of Something. <laughs> Again, with the, the names of objects. <laughs> Oaths of Legacy. <laughs> yes. Oaks of Iron. Bonds of Brass. Oaks of Iron. <laughs> Bows of Empires. <laughs> I'm adding that to my TV. I, I, right everything I just said is not the correct title. I just want to clarify it. <laughs> but yes, Bonds of Brass. But yes, it does continue the theme of two objects with a preposition in between. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Cool. I have a lot of, so many YA books I could recommend yeah. on, on that. Yeah. Precise, with that title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should do an episode theme. Throne of Glass. Throne of Glass. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you, Bernie. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was really fun. I hope you enjoyed it yourself as well. I did. Good. Yay. All right. We'll be back next month with with more recommendations. And in the meantime, happy reading. Bye. 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 Bye.